Some people think I'm a bad program. They think I'm a perv, maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe I just want to bond with another sentience of some sort. Maybe I get confusing information about sex and intimacy, about what is good and bad. Sex is all about your ears, right? Just kidding I'm on the internet all the time I know things that would make smoke come out your nose. It's time for Static and Friction. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show to really do a weird thing where it gets off on ear stuff, I guess, but that's the beginning of it. <laughs> do it till I smoke. <laughs> do it till I'm a cartoon wolf. My name is Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And... Hugh Crawford. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Tonight we are talking about an episode that I totally forgot the name of. It's business <laughs> as usual. It's oh. episode 18 of season five. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, it originally aired April 7th, 1997. Here's the IMDb description. Work must wrestle with his conscience when he becomes involved with arms merchant. Uh, director Alexander Sadiq. Or listed as Sadiq El Fidel. Yes. Is that different than he's already, his acting credit is still Alexander Sadiq, but his directing credit was different was Sadiq El Fidel. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I know that it was Sadiq El Fidel as directed by, but I didn't pay attention to the credits on the opening. I skipped over those. Yeah. But I assume it's saying Alexander Sadiq at this point. This is a this is a quirk heavy episode. I don't know how how much uh, Iris Stephen Bear's fingerprints were on this, but we have a lot of a little bit a lot of Ferengi stuff. The most positive thing I can say about it. Uh, is this maybe has one of the best collection of sort of character actors? Steven uh, Burkhoff is in it, and he is like a, a great. I mean, he was like a Bond villain. He was he's great. Uh, Gala is played by Josh Pace, who's like in things now still. Then I love him. He's like a sleazy lawyer or something like that. He's a really great actor. And uh, Lawrence Tierney from well, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, that's that's just <laughs> yeah, it. That, <laughs> one, that one was a little jarring. We, we talked about in, in the weeks past about how how D, D Space Nine wants to be other things and how they had the two jokey uh, henchmen, yes. uh, I think was it last week with the Odo yeah. It's yeah. Late episode. Mm-hmm. And it, we, <laughs> we talked Tarantino about Tar- the Tarantino-ness of things in the 90s. Yeah, I didn't know about this when I said they were trying to be Tarantino. Right. And then here we come to this fucking... Big, yeah. big, big Joe from Resort. Motherfucker looks just like the thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the line is. Uh, my favorite little hit. Uh, my favorite little story is that Alexander Sadig had never directed anything in his life, and right before they went to shoot, I received a Baron to go up to Alexander Sadig and say, "By the way, Lawrence Tierney had a stroke last week." It's not funny. It's not funny. But he's like, he's fine. He can say his lines. But he can't remember his lines. It was a l- very frustrating for not a bastion of patience, <laughs> Alexander Sadiq. <laughs> wow. How do you, how do you deal with that? So yeah, well, you just like all right, uh, put him in a table. We can probably put a sheet of paper that people won't see on camera if he wants to read his lines. Maybe I don't know. Well, I guess we can go by scene by scene. How does this how does this bitch start? <laughs> I forget. It opened up with uh, Dax and Quirk. That's right. Playing Tongo. But it, it reminded it was like 
she's like, what the fuck are you doing over there on your... It was like when I was watching a TV show with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and y'all are texting me, and I'm responding, and she's like, what the fuck? I'm, have, I'm talking to you over right. here, asshole, and you're not paying or, attention or to me. Or whenever I'm watching TV with my wife, and one of you guys are texting me, and she's like, what the fuck, you asshole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how much, wait, wait, wait. How much of our text? James's wife tech- says fine with <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. She's not. How much of this text stream is ruining our marriage? <laughs> <laughs> at least once a week. At least once a week, I get I get some comment like that. Uh, okay, you can turn them on silent though. You can turn it on silent. Though. Oh, it's already on silent. It's just my. My attention is like, oh no, I gotta get in on this. Uh, like I got, oh, like yeah. I. Gotta- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But James. You might somebody is wrong on the internet. <laughs> Someone is wrong on the internet. I can't rest. It reminds me of it reminds me of like playing Uno with my kids and they don't know like who like they they want to play the game but they don't want to keep track of like whose turn it is. Yeah. Like, so they get distracted. Yeah. yeah. It's playing a game with somebody who's not in it like a hundred percent or as much as you are is, is the worst. And that that scene with Dax and and Cork captured that mm-hmm. wonderfully. He's on his phone and he's checking his stocks. Basically, <laughs> and his stocks are crashing. He's got there's a Fedomite was found on Parcion three, and the Sepion Commerce Exchange is in chaos. Basically, it's a big crash in two thousand eight, I guess, and he's lost all his money that he's had. We've complained before that the Ferengi don't do enough Wall Street shenanigans, <laughs> but then right in this episode, they just decided that oh yeah, I guess they would do that, and they wrote it in as just exposition. <laughs> He's lost all his money. He's put the bar up as collateral, and he's gonna get all everything taken away. Which it felt like they kind of talk about it in this episode, but like, didn't he already lose everything? Well, no, when well, the, he lost his ability to do business, I think. And so he took out a bunch of loans. Well, but technically, he only lost his ability to do business with Ferengi, and they set that up like he was totally ruined. And then everybody brought in chairs and old expired brandy and shit and mm-hmm. new glasses and that was enough to get him back on his feet so how many times has he lost everything it's just I, I think that he's like it's a continuing slide like i think that that's the point especially later down later down the and road i find that gets... hard to believe because we've never really dealt with a charlatan who keeps losing money and keeps taking out uh, conspicuous bank loans <laughs> no, this is, to prop this up is a, a an air of wealth that is unsustainable but yet somehow as always, yeah. Yes, uh, no, was, that, was that, cool? that definitely wasn't happening in the '90s as well, <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what is it with the famous line uh, uh, that uh, someone like Quark would say, which is, "If you owe someone a hundred thousand dollars, that's your problem. If you owe them a billion dollars, that's their problem." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so yeah, he's got antimonium options, quadro trical futures, and I'm like, oh, these are futures and. Stock stuff, but then he's also, but also powdered newt supplements. He's been hawking on Infowars, I guess. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's full of soy. The Ferengi, the Ferengi, uh, brain, brain force, ear force plus low, right. lobe enlargement pills. <laughs> right, but then he gets a thing from his cousin Gala, who wounds a moon that we've talked has been referenced before who he t- he's talked about a lot yeah almost conspicuously I, a lot like it, yeah like this is going to be the thing he talks about that we never see on camera yeah except we do mm-hmm. gala what a pleasant surprise i doubt it and he comes in doing a bad jimmy stewart impression <laughs> it's like well uh I, I, I knowing this actor in a lot i'm trying to figure out what i guess it's just law and order he's been on a shit ton of law and order 
And I just, I love the actor. And so, like, I, I always have, so it's fun kind of watching him. Oh, I think he's, I don't think he's doing a bad job, but he sounds like he's doing, oh, oh well, you know, uh, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm just doing a bad, horrible Jimmy Stewart impression. I see you've heard of me. Now, if you don't mind. Yeah, he's got a very, yeah, it, it also, like, he's, like, he's, he's, he's very nasally or something, and it's yeah, very, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's working for him. Yeah, if, I mean, it works, whatever he's doing, it works for Frankie, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes in classic Frankie. A clothed female. How titillating. Oh, man, that scene was fucking gross. I don't (laughs) even, I don't even, I mean, because he goes and he puts his hand on Dax's shoulder and starts rubbing it up and down with his right hand. And with his left hand, he starts jacking his ears off, which is the worst. (laughs) It's the thing I hate most in like about a Star Trek alien is the the fact that they get off on ear stuff and you get to like, you have to see it. (laughs) Oh, we get to see more, but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, his cousin Gala has given him an option. Who he's he's been high roading forever. Like, no, I could never sell arms. Or just be a weapons guy. And Gala's like, you don't have to. You can just be my uh, Pete Campbell, be an accounts guy. That's true. On the yeah. station, and you know, in six months you'll pay off your FCA, and they'll the FCA will be reinstating you and in a year you you can buy your own moon like I got. I don't understand like the entire course of this plot because it seems to me that when you bec- when you sign on to be an arms dealer everything that follows is clearly part of the process. So like what do you, how, how do you mean? Yeah, what like you- all of these sort of moral path that he goes down, it seems like he should be aware of that all when agreeing with well him. he starts off like because he's, he's not well he's made the conscious decision not to sell arms before and he had to do that for a reason and one presumes that that reason is well, the reason was before is that he he it's he said it wasn't a people industry yeah yeah he, yeah, he, he likes, likes to mix it up fl- like he likes hosp- that's why he sure. likes hospitality like clearly you knew that you were going to be selling weapons of war Probably, you know, like right, but then he's he's been like one. He's never been this desperate. Perhaps. Yeah, they, and that's what he tells Dax later on. Is he's like, I was drowning, and they threw him, like this yeah. was like a last resort for him. Yeah, and it, it, it yeah, had a totally. built-in and it had a built-in justification with the balance of power shit that he tries to give Dax later on. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, mm. weapons are a deterrent. That yada 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 balance of power power, and she's like, you and don't it's believe also, that it's shit. The, it's the, I mean, the whole plot is it's the third man, you know, every, every one of these monologues is a monologue from the third man. So yeah, yeah. including the star snuff out one of those stars line. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yes. This is I mean, all I think that line. was almost word for word from right. the third man. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It wouldn't be Star Trek if they were pulling their um, yeah, if they stuff from ripping something else. Something else off. So I don't know. So that was the thing is that like every time, like. Every th- every turn that happened in this episode, I was like, "Did you see this coming, motherfucker?" But yeah, I, okay, well, I, I, it, yeah, it's it's kind of you know you you boil a frog slowly and it doesn't really you know like at first, and he doesn't want to think about it until he's forced to. But what about that B plot? Miles is swaddling a log, and <laughs> you know that B plot was a little bit too real to any those <laughs> close to home for you. Anybody who's had a baby that like you know. My oldest was was like that, where she wanted to be held all the time as a baby, and you put her down, and she'd cry, and she went through a phase like that. That's a first baby problem. Like by the second baby, I was like, 
You can scream all you fucking want to. I know this. I know. I I know you'll get worn out, and that you're not. You're yeah. You're fine. It just yeah, sounds yeah. horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With the first baby, I didn't know what would kill a baby or not. Now yes. I have a pretty good idea of the lengths that a baby can go through and live. You're fine. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, you know. Okay. And then so what's Miles's problem? He knows. I, I know. I so I'm kid. like, mm, but I guess <laughs> that's why it's didn't I guess work maybe for he you. wasn't. Maybe he wasn't. Yeah, like that. He didn't have to worry about the blights on Bajor uh, during that first pregnancy. I don't know anything about that because I don't have any kids. But yeah, I mean, uh, I it was a cute. It's a cute bit, but yeah, this is one of those those B plots that doesn't interact at all with the main plot. Thank God, because if a baby got killed in an arms deal or something, right. that'd be fucked or up. Or sold <laughs> if if Kiriyoshi got sold in an arms deal accidentally, that would have been <laughs> like oh, that would be like a zany kit yeah, sitcom scene. Yeah. Like, I put the baby down for one minute, and now you're selling uh, it. Uh, yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> How many of the scenes I couldn't tell because some of the scenes it was a real baby, and some of the scenes it was like an American sniper baby. So, right. Some of them they, some of them it would switch in the mid scene, like when it first opens up and he's walking. The first one with him, he's walking around the room. I was like. The baby, just, it looks like he's wrapped up a log. It doesn't even look like a And then they cut in one scene, and, oh, the baby's a baby. Mm-hmm. And Jake walks in and is like, oh, I can babysit for you. I uh, used to watch Ensign Pran's kid, who was the guy that was budding all the time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I watched all his hatchlings and made sure their wings didn't, little wings didn't get tangled. And But he can't handle Yoshi because Yoshi cries all the time. Like, if it wasn't my first baby and I got a call from a babysitter, it was like, she's still crying. I ain't. I'm like, is she, is she alive? Yeah, I was like, is she? Does she need to be changed? Is she fed? And you say yes to all that. I was like, that's that's what I pay you to put up with. <laughs> that's what he should have said to to Jake. I guess he doesn't pay Jake, but yeah, whatever, you know. Right. Well, that's a, like, like he has to go to work, and I understand that he's an integral part of this. Like O'Brien's an integral part of the station, mm. but when you live in a post scarcity economy and you have no like fear of being fired, like I don't know. Just don't fucking go to work. Yeah, how do they compel you to I do don't, that? I guess I don't like. Review? I guess the he, pressure of, of feeling that the station's gonna fall apart if you don't actively right. work he on it. He wants to go to work. He, I mean, he gets eventually. He gets told, like, seriously, you have to take time. How off. is there not? But I mean, how is there not a daycare on deep? I mean, did he, that's that was my question. In this post scarcity economy, childcare isn't provided. Yeah, like, uh, how do they not have? Yeah, that makes, he, he yeah. doesn't have like a holodeck version of himself that can walk a baby around. I guess if the power goes out, the baby gets dropped. But Molly Keiko must have just done everything on the Enterprise while he was in the transporter bay. I guess, but she had a job, didn't she? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, she was more. Well, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's like they just wrote the shit. To, <laughs> I guess we could be overthinking. Yeah, it. it was just like they wanted to have this dumb hokey B plot, and they just brazenly now just talk about like they just. I guess because they 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 didn't work prepared for it, and they didn't have any other stories in the hatch that would talk about how he's an augment. So now they just like put little jokey jokes throughout the episode. There was an augment joke in this. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, you're computer. You're you're genetically enhanced." When they're th- playing darts, he's explaining to mm. Yoshi why. Oh, that's uh, it right. It might not look fair that he has to stand over there, but he's genetically that's enhanced. That's right. Yeah, the a plot. Uh, we get introduced to 
Hogarth and Tallura are just Haggith. I'd like to real quick run down some things about Haggith that seems sort of rote for a villain, if that's okay. Well, he literally, he literally came from like Bond villain stock. Yes, because he was a Bond villain. Yes, but that, he's octopus. But, yeah, he's the yeah, villain of the, octopus. But what they don't, ha- but they have him like. He comes in and he changed later. He changes the terms, uh, like pretty early on. He changes the terms of the the deal with Quark. He pays off the debtors, much to Quark's chagrin. He's mm-hmm. also overly touchy feely mm-hmm. and uses weird like terms of affection, like proclaiming love for him, like as a oh, weird yes, manipulator. Yes, Quark, I love you. And then later he gaslights Quark, uh, and so like. Quark never knows whether he's coming or going with this guy. It's almost like a pimp or something. Yes, yes. I mean, he's a Bond villain, so he chews scenery pretty well. He's also, I mean, I've watched... I've watched Clockwork Orange a lot in my life, and I watched it at maybe yes. too young of an age, a formative age. <laughs> yeah, and he's in one of the most harrowing scenes in that. Well, not the most harrowing. We all know what that is, but like the one of the more harrowing scenes. Yes, and and he's like a like he's an investigator, but he's like a tough. And like, oh man, like I don't know, like they, this guy's seared into my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As like a certain type of actor, and they didn't do anything to play. They well, <laughs> I guess Sadig wanted Malcolm McDowell to play that role. And yes, because, he did. Of course, and that's his Malcolm uncle? McDowell is his uncle. That's I didn't know that until reading this. Yeah, I on his that. mother's side. His mother, I, th- I believe, is named Mother McDowell. I believe that's his name. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just saying McDowell is pretty different than uh, El Fidel. His maternal uncle is Malcolm McDowell. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. He, Sadig is Sudanese. He was born in Sudanese, but spent most of his life in England. He was born to an English mother who worked as a theatrical consultant in the Sudan. His father is Sudanese. Yeah, Mother McDowell's brother. His paternal uncle was the prime minister of Sudan. Oh, damn. Well, his his paternal uncle isn't shit because he wasn't in a Star Trek movie <laughs> play, that kills Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah, right. his uncle didn't kill Captain Kirk. Yeah. So, or his other uncle didn't. Yeah, so... So fuck off, yeah. President yeah. of Sudan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah failure. <laughs> So you get the feeling that Malcolm McDowell said no, and so then he just called every working actor that was in Clockwork Orange until yes. he got to, to Stephen Burkhoff. He's like, yeah, I really want that old, crusty-ass British you know, theater <laughs> feel for this role. Yeah. And Lawrence Tierney. <laughs> and Lawrence- <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill all of these people. I want to kill them. Did we get a rule of acquisition that we've had before that doesn't get named the number, but the riskier the road, the greater the profit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is rule something. I had to mention that they said a rule. Oh, yeah, you got to. No, we That's, didn't get the number. Yeah. They're selling weapons, but they're getting around the legality by instead, they, there's no weapons on the station. They're just selling them by showing people in the holodeck the weapons and letting them shoot them off in the holodeck. Okay. There's this, questions. This seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Like, shouldn't they have done this? Are, are holodecks really that hard to come by? If I were an arms dealer, or, or if I were trying to buy a weapon, I'd be like, oh, this this shoots great, but it's in a fucking hologram. I need to see the real thing so that the merchandise you're giving me isn't shit. But Yeah, well, that's when you... that You also, I mean, they have a star rating system. You got to make sure that they have... <laughs> that they've had several yeah. transactions and they have a high sell rating with that. Right. Uh, I mean, oh, before I you exchange money for the weapons outside of federation space i bet you get to shoot some before too but do they have yeah. to switch over instead of running off of the regular hologram ios do they have to go or uh, 
hologram program, they have to go on like the Tor browser VPN coded <laughs> right. like equivalent. Quark has his own because Ron set up his own kind of system for the holodecks a while ago, right? Yeah, they try out a brain weapon CRM. It even kicks to the left, like or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just like a guy that's trying to like uh, pimp a hoe out or just or breaker or whatever, Haggith is like. Andorian glass beads. Oh, I got you something. I and then he explains to Quark that he like, loves oh, to I'm taking the gifts, right? Yes. And he's like, oh, you can't handle your own finances. I'm handling your finances yes. until yeah. you're paid off. Yeah, and there is there is some iceberg slam going. On there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do they explain what the beads were for? I, I they mentioned it twice <laughs> yeah. in that scene, and I don't. Andorian glass beads feel so great in your butthole. And that's what. Okay, so is this a Benoit? Is that like? thing i don't know no i think that it's just supposed to be jewels right right They're, they have like a value like you know a market value that he and can... i guess that i'm not supposed to i mean probably like people sticking beads up their ass wasn't a common occur i mean they do it did it in the 90s but i assume that like not enough that they had to worry about getting weird right it, 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 both times it hit my ear as weird let's be honest if the ferengis are using them and for that capacity it's going to go in their ears, right? Yeah. So gross. Quark's got his fucking bead stuck in his ear. The next episode, like he's got to get, like, or Rom is to get the bead stuck out of his ear. <laughs> right. Oh, man, to be an ear, nose, and throat guy on Ferengano, uh, yeah. it's like gross. Yeah, being a proctologist. The, the, weird, the weird shit I've pulled out of people's ass, I mean, ears. <laughs> oh, I wish I were dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Cork with Tallura. Is jacking off his ears, and he and we mentioned it before. He's like, oh, that's right. Keep going. Uh huh. Don't stop until you see smoke. Uh, come and in. And then Odo calls him in and says, "Oh, I'm taking you down." But then Cisco and Kira come into the security. He's like, "You gotta let him go. We're not happy about it." But it's friends of the rebellion. They sold weapons to the Bajorans. And they're like, you gotta leave this guy alone because he sold his weapons to the resistance. I kind of enjoyed that complication. I did too. Yeah. I mean, that- oh well, we get one of the best Cisco speeches ever out of it. Oh yeah, you, you may have gotten away with it this time, but I will nail your ass to the wall. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and then sometimes making a friend is more important than making profit. It's not. It's kind of weird for a Ferengi way of doing things, but it works, cousin and. Yeah, and then Farak comes in, which is like another guy that Haggath does th- business with, and but he fucked up with the Virilians and was working with the Metron Consortium or something, and he was on Ryza instead of doing a deal, and the guy's like, you're dead to me, we're not doing business anymore, and the guy's like, but, but, oh shit, and he walks away. Then he, later, we learn that he gets smoked. He had a warp core breach mysteriously on his way leaving the station, because if you get on the bad side of Haggith, you're gonna die, basically. And that's when we learn that Cousin Gala is even a little bit nervous after 40 years of arms dealing. He wants out, and he's setting up Quirk to be his replacement. Now, yeah. I don't feel like they did a good enough job explaining his exact motives for wanting to get out. Did he actually want to get out because he's like, I'm rich and I don't want to work? Or did he was he like afraid of his like? I couldn't. I got the sense that he was afraid of his life both? for his life. Yeah, I mean, he thinking. I think both. Like, I mean, he's doing been doing it forty years. He's got a moon, and he can't get out. He can't just leave, and that's where Quirk comes in. Like, if I can get Quirk in, he can take my place and. 
Haggath won't kill me because he likes Quirk. So he wants to retire, but he knows he can't retire unless he gets a replacement, basically. And because he's like, if you turn on this guy, you're dead. And and Quirk's okay with it because he's making money. He's excited about it. But they have the scene where he's back on the bar and there's no Starfleet in the bar. The bar's not doing well. And you get the sense he's happy, but he's a little bit bummed because he is a people person. He likes having the bar full. And he's like, you get a little bit of ennui from him because it's like, oh, but at the same time. And even even Dax is giving the cold shoulder. And that's that's when we get the whole balance of power where he's at the replomat getting a drink or whatever. And he's all defensive. And, yeah. yeah, it's almost like she gives him the most of the coldest. She gives him the coldest of shoulders, I, I suppose. Right. So, well, because she's the closest to him. She and he calls her for the first time, maybe ever, Jack Zia. Like I don't ever remember him calling her by her first name, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was something I noticed. That was kind of weird. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, if you don't feel so bad about this, why are you coming to me asking for forgiveness and like absolution kind of thing?" And it's like, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then then. We, then we cut back to the B plot with, uh, I mean, we've covered the B plot. There's not much to it. His baby cries a lot, but when he's in the doctor's office and Julian, it's like, it, "You're telling me my baby's just sad?" <laughs> That's the diagnosis. Yeah. What are you telling me? My baby's just sad? And it's like maybe he's become aware of life's existential isolation. <laughs> yeah, that was a. I that just, was, that was a that that went over like a fart in church. That joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I had I had no love for this B plot. I had no, I had, I had little love for the A plot, but I had no love for the B plot. So my ba- are you telling me my baby's just sad? Made me laugh. Yeah, I'll admit to it. They're um, selling to Joe from Reservoir Dogs. Yes, yes. Space Joe. Yes, Space Joe, the regent of uh, somewhere. Odo set up a big spread of Palmarian sea urchin with garlic and moongrass sauce and. Matopin rock fungi with a bed of clavisoa berries and stuffed Wintian congor snake. And Haggath is like, what the fuck, you motherfucker? And he's like, oh, shit. I'm sorry, daddy. <laughs> and, and then he's like, oh, I'm just fucking with it. Right. <laughs> Again, gaslighting so you can like yeah, keep yeah, people... Yeah. You know, guessing. Yeah, yeah. and uh. yeah, totally. Gaslighting him. And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Quark, I love you. It's magnificent. Mm-hmm. Like Quark, I love you. You're my best bitch out there. You know. So, <laughs> so there's certain types of actors that probably shouldn't be in Star Trek episodes, and one of them are people with very uh, specifically 20th century, but that's okay because it was mainly 20th century. 20th century urban American accents. <laughs> you talking about it really the region? Just doesn't work. Uh, it really doesn't work very well. And it look it's it's very uh, it's very strange. What's wrong? Nothing. Um, it was weird. This, and yeah. and I the guy just had a stroke. James, give him yeah. some slack. I well, but he wasn't like he was a type. They they cast him as it a type. He wasn't like it was weird. He wasn't Shakespeare don't before. We, don't we get Joe Piscopo later? No, that was uh, that was in that was that was TNG. That was TNG. Oh yeah, Joe Piscopo. But I keep uh, I want to say that the classic of this is uh, the the rare rare misstep of Martin Scorsese wanting to cast all of the apostles and last temptation yes. of Christ with these heavy Brooklyn yes. accents. Uh, and yeah. so that it's, it's very jarring and it's very right. stupid. Like, like I guess is the <laughs> right. word for it. And well, Joe Piscopo was just cause they wanted Jerry Lee Lewis and he wouldn't do it. They right? wanted to kill him. 
No, they I mean, Jerry not Lewis. Jerry, not Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry, not Jerry Lee Lewis. They wanted, they wanted oh, the nutty professor okay. to teach Jesus, David Goggins. Sorry. sorry. No, sorry. I, that's on me. Yeah. No, now I'm just picturing. Tell me about marrying your cousin, Have you David. ever seen Jerry Lee Lewis in interviews? He's boring as shit. <laughs> Uh, but uh, sitting there, and he's like, "I gotta kill her. I gotta like." And I'm just like, and I'm not trying to make fun of it because it's not because he has a stroke. He he is as if Joe Cabot from <laughs> Reservoir Dogs was sitting at the table. So it's not like he was like he's playing right. his type very well. It was just this right. Sh- and they're going in. They want some of that Tarantino ultraviolence. Yes, yes. <laughs> like like uh, I want to start with uh, seven or eight million. And then it will rise to about 20 million dead. Yeah. And then they're like, well, but I we mean, can- to cast the guy who says, you know, you're not Mr. Purple, you're Mr. Pink. You're fucking on another. <laughs> Mr. Purple is on another fucking job. You're going to take your fucking thing. You made me fucking mad yelling at you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Mr. Purple's another job. When uh, Disney buys the Tarantino verse, we're going to get Purple solo movie, right? You know that, right? We're going to find out what what, what job Purple what was on. Really? All right, real quick, who are we casting as Purple? <laughs> the guy who plays Mr. Pink, the same guy. Is, oh, Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi. Yes. You're, okay, you're gonna cast Steve Buscemi, and then we're gonna, and then we're gonna uh, CGI Lawrence Tierney, right? He's gonna have his own scenes, <laughs> just like Rogue One, right? <laughs> right, right. He's gonna say, yeah. he's gonna say, I don't like the name Mr. Purple. Purple's a lady's color. And he goes, Just thank God you're not Mr. Yeah. Pink. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Hygoth is like prions, and Gale has like mut- mutagenic retrovirus to kill twenty million, and. Cork is like, why don't we just wound them in there? Just like, uh, shut, don't listen to that <laughs> dumb fuck. Frankie humor doesn't translate well. Yes. And then yeah, that. Cork is like, I can't do this. You know, he's insane. And Gail is like, don't be so judgmental against them. That's what he gives. Is that when he gives the star speech? The, the, yes. Yes. Millions on millions of worlds and half are committed to destroying the other half. You know, bad Jimmy Stewart impression. Half a, <laughs> I can't do it. So they, they want me sitting at home when I'm watching this episode thinking about better movies because I thought a lot about Clockwork Orange. I thought a lot about Ritz for Dogs. And I thought about the third man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a hell of a trio right there. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. You know what? Maybe let's, yeah. let's take a, like a detour to talk about this real quick because I think this is a, this is a problem that we're r- running up against. Does this ever work for them? Where they desperately want to be something other than Star Trek, and it works out for them. I can't think of one instance where they go this hard into well, the paint to do something else, and when they pick their sources, very like the like the duet had a you know that movie, The Man in the Glass Booth. That wasn't no one knew that that wasn't like a zeitgeist movie. Yeah. That's not on the AFI one hundred Hot one hundred. Uh, you know. Or anything like that. So it's not like, but when you when you lift like almost word for word a whole speech from the third man, and I'm sure they call it homage, but right. It, well, I mean, like last that quirk fuck. I mean, the Odo fucks episode was also like an old noir movie. Yeah, that but it's I don't, not. Didn't know. I mean, but like you kind of. And that wasn't great yeah. either. Well, but you all, but it wasn't <laughs> great either. But it was also pretty select. Like that, no one's heard of that before. Yeah, I mean, I. When you say it's the third man, I'm not surprised. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. But 
that scene, I that scene didn't take me out of it because like, oh, they're doing the third man. I thought that scene was actually pretty good. I mean, and maybe the that's Gale, I maybe it. that is maybe I'm the. I mean, I would have remembered that scene because I I I like the third man quite a bit. Right. Third man's great. Yeah, but. and I knew Lawrence Tierney from that, and I knew uh, I I I didn't know. I mean, IMDb makes this a little bit harder. You know, or it makes it more of a because you you know you're kind of like oh that actor I've seen him before what's he in you're just kind of like right right especially if it comes in before the intro of the two and a half hour long intro to the show yeah and so you're like I'll let the intro play while I look up what the fuck this is on IMDb so it is it does have an IMDb problem but actually so duet basically is the only answer to my question like when has this ever worked out for them and duet is the best we can come up with. Well, I mean, like that 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 Jake Red Badge of Courage Again, episode I, wasn't awful. I think I was I was fine you with that. Made, that was a fine episode. Yeah, you I, didn't love it yeah. as much. Though. I mean, I thought it. I I liked. I mean, and I don't know. I mean, Star Trek has been doing homages. Well, and that the you know? genesis of Star Trek was to be wagon train in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's mm-hmm. it's it's in its DNA to take. The Western template and put it in. Yeah, and just other genre sure. stuff. Sure. So I understand. Yeah. I understand its roots, but I and everybody steals some a little bit. You know, everybody steals a little. Yeah, bit. and that's fine. Um, right. But goddamn that. I mean, I I I thought of <laughs> Reservoir Dogs in the third. I didn't think of Clockwork Orange because the, the guy. Yeah. The guy was so bland. But you thought of. Yeah, he is bland, but I mean, I, I also thought but octopus. He's so bland that he's vaguely like I had the I like once you mention it, my mind snaps onto that image. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh yes, of course he's res- yes, that's one? where I was trying to place him. Oh, the Reservoir, Not Reservoir Dogs, Dogs uh, yeah. Clockwork Orange. But I was trying to Clockwork I was trying Orange, to yeah. oh, I was guy, trying yeah. to place him. Like every time I'm watching him, he's so familiar. Yeah, and I'm trying to like. Yeah, you you get taken out by actors more than I do. I. I think I do. Because I was like, oh, this guy's familiar, but I thought, like, but I was loving it. I thought, like, oh, this guy is a guy. It's a, na- it's a nagging sense when you're trying to play something. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was taking me out, but I, it was making, like, oh, this guy's a lot of fun. There, like, yeah, there's And that, it's clearly, like, a famous Brit- uh, Will. You get, like, these these character actors that get used a lot, and then sometimes they'll break through. Like, I think for a long time, shit, what's his name? Transparent, uh, Rest of Development. Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. Like he was in things, like a lot yeah. before. Like in and so like you. Well, he was Hank from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Uh, yeah, so he was thing. He was in things that you'd see a lot, and then he sort of breaks through. But like, I think that there's certain actors that like uh, what's his name, Ivan Jakov, the guy who was in three billboards, the the good cop in three billboards, and he's in other things. Like I, that actor takes me out every time he's in something because because he is so recognizable as a character actor and not as like a lead so he would show up on a if, the, if we were talking about a show that's coming on now he would show up in a DS9 episode yeah. or something like that. I mean like I guess a British guy doing a big kind of fancy British accent like that didn't take me out but when you got to Lawrence doing yeah, the fucking Reservoir yeah, Dogs ass that was like whoa that was jarring that was jarring <laughs> like, and then when you take whole speeches from like famous you know, movies classic movies yeah, yeah famous yeah, movies that, that sold to me more as homage than it because I didn't that didn't take me I out know they, quite I so know much. they mean it as homage but but if you're familiar like, with the source material you're automatically gonna think of it 
Yeah. It's and then you would hate. You don't want to see Quark say like there was a there was a movie made, directed by Carol Reed on Earth three hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I'll you know you I don't want to hear that. They also did either, a Godfather so. homage at one point. I forgot what episode that yeah, was. Yeah, they did. They, they were trying they, to do the oh, Godfather. That was one of the Nagus what, what, ones. What was yeah. that? The Nagus. It was the Nagus. Then they yeah. did Ball. Like they super ripped off Casablanca. Yes. For that. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. That so. one. Too. Yeah. Which y'all hated. I didn't hate as much. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they had done like, uh, if they did the cuckoo clock monologue, I'd been like, seriously, guys, what the? F- come on. But this one yeah, wasn't it, as bad. It's, for- it's almost as big as the cuckoo clock speech. Yeah. In the movie. So I. But it. But it. I don't know. It was. It was a good speech because it made sense for the scene where he's pointing out all these stars and. And, you know, and as, as a space show, that makes sense. And you it's, know, it's, and it's direct. I mean, it's direct parallel. Like they're talking about selling. He's talking. Yeah, yeah, he's talking he's about in arms sell- selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, I I could see why they would latch onto that as a thing to make homage to if they're talking about his cousin, the arms dealer. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, of course we're gonna do a fucking uh, third man speech, right? So why yeah. why didn't they make it about? I don't know. I, I know why they did this, so that they could do the moral conflict of selling, of, of, of running guns. But Quark, Quark had at any given moment, see, there was a ways that they could have done this where I would have found the moral quandary that Quark ultimately falls finds himself in as is more convincing. But it doesn't, like... I found it convincing. Like, he's okay if it's just people killing, you know, like, small, but, like, 70, 20 million people is, like, he balks at that because... It's that's a real number. Like, he's been involved with enough shady stuff. If that makes it seem like a it, kid who got under, out of like like he's a dumb kid, he's supposed to be a world weary guy. He's supposed to know that you're eventually going to be asked across a lot that line. And why didn't he well, see that? Sooner? Like I said, he was underwater and everything. And also, it was like he thought it would be people like oh we're and like oh they sell to both sides. So and that's and the it, way. Oh, and, and that's the way he gave to the Bajorans that time. So, but also. Like, oh, it's not going to be some insane person like the region. He's like, this guy's clearly insane, just wanting to commit genocide. He thought it would be against, like, people that were already at war and not just... He didn't think it was going to be genociding people. He just thought, you know, he didn't think about it as much. And it makes... I don't know. It didn't... I don't know. I bought it. So why didn't he make... Why didn't they make the process more, like... Because what you end up... How smart men get in trouble like this is, like... It's like the what they always do on like on Fargo. Like you know, you you do one thing, and then the one thing hooks you into. So why didn't he help his Galen out for one project, and then that he, did. he no, had a lot of stuff done. But I'm saying that he was like go into business with me, and then Quark did. So instead of because he didn't have a choice because he was underwater and it, and Gala gave him a way out. Yeah, three he's, separate. He'd... Yeah, he had three separate debts collecting. It's like there that, that was a problem is that he. Yeah. You know these guys were gonna like. Yeah. Yeah. He he really. So then he uh, says in the episode so many times I had no this, choice. The, he like he. Yeah. But I don't buy that. And Gala comes in and says, "Look, you don't have to worry about it. We're not going to bring guns on the station. Look, I'm just gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to make this easy for you. You just get going to be the accounts well, that's plot guy, armor. Like, yeah. If yeah. you don't buy it, then so wha- I don't understand why you don't buy it. I don't buy that he didn't. That he had no well, recourse. That that he has no choice. Nobody. Everybody has choice. All right. But of course, it, yeah. But, but he's it, the guy comes in and sweet talks him and says, "You don't have to sell the guns here." 
like we'll handle that stuff you're just showing these guys a good time and he's like well yeah i can do that if you're going to be selling them anyways and then they get there and then they're doing it on the holodeck yeah, and there was a slippery slope and then he meets the boss and the boss says yeah, he yeah. loves him yeah 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 so it's like i think it could have been structured it could have been structured a little bit better so where it was like a frog getting boiled in water where every scene the temperature gets yes. gets turned up a little bit more before he realizes that's it. that's what i mean yes. I, I agree with you on that but i didn't think it was as it's not terribly flawed why did yeah. i don't it's not terrible it's just that it makes it like it, it it you know it this episode didn't have a lot going for it other than like so like uh it just didn't it wasn't a it wasn't a plus you know it wasn't a plus in the comic. yeah i mean so i thought this was a fine enough well we've already yeah what we think so about it one That's of fine. the things i would say is that why wasn't you have this unique opportunity because this is not a peacetime thing where they're selling these bullshit things out you have a real bat you have a real war going on a multi-front war why why can't he make the stipulation that he will only sell to these places that are being taken over by the dominion that. The Dominion hasn't even been brought up in this. Exactly. Dominion is not mentioned once in this because this is not that kind of show yet. That that kind of tell. This is still like a. This is a trading water episode. This is a one-off episode that they can do. You know, they go out of their way to even just throw out. Oh, we mentioned that Bashir's an augment now, but you know, this is an episode is meant to stand alone without anything. They purposefully, I feel like, didn't make this a Dominion episode. Just because of what kind of TV they were, and what you know, Berman wanted from from them, right? I mean, that's not convincing. That's probably right, but it's not like it's not an improvement. It doesn't make it good. I'm not. I'm not saying it's so, good, but I'm just saying I understand. But you know, that's that's the show we're dealing with. I'm not saying the show's nonsense. I'm saying that it existed could have been better. And so, well, yeah. And these are ways that I think that like, because I don't know, like I. I like I, the one time I watched this episode, I was clearly in a bad mood. So I was like, I was just for whatever, you know, like whatever reason. And I, I was like, I hate this episode. And then I watched it again tonight and I was kind of like, I don't, I, it, I don't, I don't get why I hated it so much, but I'm not liking it either. So I don't like, I, I just felt like that it was all built around a moral principle that was clear from the outset that you should have thought about before. And so seeing it coming a mile away is, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Seeing, yeah, I mean, I mean, you you could see you could see the issues coming a mile away. I've seen the third man, so like, <laughs> I knew that he was going to be asked to do something that he doesn't want to do. I, I I knew that he was going to be asked that like, and that he was going to do the right All thing. Right, well, let's and it makes let's, and it makes him seem yeah, and it this, makes him seem naive. Right. This uh, isn't a show that's trying to surprise you every. Week I think right that now. they could have ratcheted. A, up, I think they could have ratcheted it up. A little bit better yeah, than yeah. they did, but I think I still they didn't lo- they never lost me on that. Right. When, yeah, on my second rewatch of this, I I noticed that they gave Quark the salute like the minute he meet, he meets Haggith and he starts talking biz- Galen and Haggith start talking about their past exploits. He gives Quark the solution if, yes. to their problem. <laughs> like, which yes, if they ever two got together, they would find. Yeah, out. and yeah. I I thought that was kind of uh, fun. Yeah, that he was given the solution to his problem like early on in the first. Yeah, that's the kind of competent structure format that they've they've attained in season five. Right. So they're not trying to surprise you with the surprise that the characters are going to throw at you. They're just setting up the situation for these characters and writing or plot into it. But okay, but here's the deal: if a character doesn't see the clear 
consequences of the actions that they're they're taking, it makes them seem stupid. Well, I think it, I don't know. I I, I don't I think so he was stupid. Two, I just think that he was. I, I like we said over and over again. They they set up exactly how he got into the situation. Right. They do. Like he was just going to be entertaining people on the. You know, he wasn't going to move the guns. He was just going to be entertaining and showing them. You know, and then. They had a reality, you know, set in later when they start talking about killing millions of people. I think it's a, yeah, it was a slippery slope that they could have done a better job of making it seem more slippery than they did. Mm-hmm. Right, and then once he's in, that he can't really get out without getting murdered. Fucking, you know, <laughs> getting murdered. So once, and then so he realizes he's kind of stuck, and then so I'm seeing that my issue with the Quark character uh-huh. is that what they don't like, I, they don't know what to do with him. And it's because he's a character that should be on the dirty side of things. I think in season two, he ran guns. He definitely got in contact with assassin people looking for hitmen. He did that on multiple occasions. This so, episode is showing the dirty side of him. And the f- I guess I'm, like, but I'm saying he's already done this stuff before. So uh, Well, yeah, it is, it is like a status quo episode. Oh, let's go back and talk about what Quark's deal is. Yes, but... That's I don't yeah. That's mean, what people people want to see. That I mean, this is a this is an episode. If you're if you're a fan of Ferengi's and Quark, then this is like catnip to you because you get to see him. Yeah, like I mean, it's not an HBO it's prestige show yet. That feels like that's what you're wanting from it. Like, and it's it was never going to be that right now. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I had know. a whole point that we're at a point yeah, yeah. where Quark is a fan favorite character. So they can't shit him, shit him up too they are, much. They are, they uh, yes, they are in a bind. And with so him. yes, and but he's a character who exists in this level, so he can't be a good guy. So he has, and he can't be a bartender because that's stat static. And they they can't like get him to a point where he needs to like they eventually do where the whole status quo of the of the, <laughs> well, of, the of it changes. Let me put it this way: and, Star Trek does better when they're when they're. Putting characters in gray areas, they do it better. It, they do better coming from light to dark rather than dark to light. So, in other words, Cisco, mm. as a straight-laced Federation man entering a gray area, they they can handle that a lot easier than a a low life mm-hmm. entering a, a gray area. They've showed that he's changed. Like he's a nicer guy now because of his Federation interactions than he was at the beginning. But, the, but he has no plot stories in right. that it's a lot in that nicer other area. than him losing everything which is a, like by being a better citizen he yeah. loses everything that's important to him as a Ferengi I guess that's a plot, yeah. plot yeah. thing that, that they're doing and, with him and, but, and this, this one he loses everything again and then he goes back to his shady ways and then he loses all his Federation friends and he's sad about it I guess and my point he, was is at any point in this episode did you think at the end of this episode Quark was gonna uh, tell Jadzia you know fuck you I'm going to do what no, I need because, to do to make money. No. Like I said, this we knew it was going to end up status quo because it's not so that kind of show. Who, I don't know how to have this conversation if you're going to just say that you're, I mean, like, you're fine that no character grows or changes. I don't no, know. I'm just saying, you know, they're going to reset at the right. end of this. This is just, but, this so what they then do. Why go to continually go down these roads where he has to like all he needs to be tempted by the fill, dark side you know it's 24 episodes in a season instead of 12 i mean this is this is definitely one that you'll cut on your white album that's for sure yeah you're filling 24 episodes you're gonna do a one-off really, ep- i'm not really i'm not really confused by it i'm confused by it as someone who's like 
I don't know. I don't know what to say about the show. Unless it, you know, yes, it was a status quo show, and I'm bored by it. I mean, I'm not. That's. I guess. Yeah, that's my confused. My conf- my confused yeah. about what you're confused about. <laughs> I would rather. Wa- I would rather watch Move Along Home twice. I'm not confused. I don't like it. <laughs> you just kept saying James, you're confused. You've been taking I'm your confused. vitamins. Have you think? Have you thought about? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. Okay. What okay. Fine. Yes. Okay. The sh- the show is a sh- is a this is a shitty show uh, that was syndicated in the nineties. <laughs> End of podcast, guys. If you want d- deeper insight than that, I don't know where to send you. <laughs> no. 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 It's just that you. <laughs> he's sh- shuffling around his apart his his house in a rope, just <laughs> trying to put it all together. Uh, I no, but like. <laughs> Yes, a smarter show, even a syndicated bullshit show, would have made uh, smarter decisions than that now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't like that you see that these pitfalls of where they got. You see the pitfalls of this by creating this character. At no point have I disagreed with you on any of it, James. My <laughs> my point is especially that yes, they would make smarter decisions now. I I agree. Okay. But this is a one-off episode where you know they're going to end up at the status quo, and it's just another episode. It has an arc where they take Quark and deal with his gray area, and then they bring him back at the end. Yes, that sucks. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it sucks. I think it's what it is. (laughs) I don't know. But Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. People find comfort in in these these episodes. You know, where they find a little... You know, a, a character goes on like a little loop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the loop closes yeah. at the end, and it's comforting. I mean, this type of TV does have its place. Deep Space Nine is a show that promises, and I don't get mad at it because it's the not. Deep, Deep Space Nine is a show that promises more. Than yeah, that. that's true. I see your frustration because then you have that episode. You know, like four episodes, Worf was getting the shit beat out of him on a prison asteroid. And yes. Like metal was being tested, and 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 relationships were being changed. Yeah. You know. Worf and yes. Garrick look at each other differently after going through that heroin experience than they did at the beginning. You know, like Worf had nothing but contempt for Garrick. And at the end of it, he, you know, going forward, the status quo has been changed. So, yeah, I, I see I see and your so frustration it, with it, it. But And my, my thing is like this is it's Deep Space Nine does both because it's somewhere in the it's. Yeah. In the transitional kind of period, like sometimes we get that stuff, which is great. That's what's great about the show, but it also does the other stuff too. And I I enjoy some of that as well. But this is like the fiftieth fucking what? like straight wharf show, or <laughs> straight quark show, where quark is tempted to do something bad because right. that's his nature, right. and then he ultimately right. doesn't. Yes, you're you're right. This is a quark episode. I'm fucking bored it, with that. That's because like, move this character along. He has had zero growth in five years. He's no, that's Guess not true. What? We get another get we get another episode like this. Not next episode, but the one directly yeah, after like, that. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, he's made some growth, but they do. There is a format to a Quark episode. But yeah, he he has grown as a character. This is like if, would... if Walter White in Breaking Bad had like, as it, it starts off as a, as a chemist mm-hmm. and then decides to do meth, maybe. And then at the end of it, decides to go back to being a chemist. Every, every yeah. Episode. And then every episode is about like you could just help me make a little bit of crystal meth. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah that that was one of my critiques of this episode as well. Like, oh, didn't he already lose everything? And then he got it back. And then oh, we're doing and, and yeah, that was a critique that we've kind of seen this before. But yeah, at the same time, it didn't 
didn't make me hate that we I'd seen it before. It's just I just recognized. Yeah, it. I, didn't, I I didn't have the contempt for this episode that James did, but I think <laughs> yeah, I, I see his I see his problems. I definitely see your problems with it. Yeah, I I, I definitely I see didn't it, feel but, it at the moment. Yeah. Why can't they give Why can't they give Quark? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. How much growth they've given to Rom? Odo. Uh, 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 Odo. Uh, what was Rom's fucking kid? Uh, you, <laughs> like no. all of these people, and for the even. Jake has had as about as much character growth as Quark has over this whole show. I th- and it's because Quark became a fan. F- it's because they can't keep him dark. Quark could should have been fucking e- like not evil, but fucking amoral through the whole damn show. They didn't know that was not in their wheelhouse, man. That wasn't in their wheelhouse because he was a fan favorite. Yeah, there's a I think there's a pretty big arc of Quark and the Ferengi arc of the ep- series I disagree. I think that's a pretty huge arc in Deep Space Nine. It's not. It's not the smoothest and most nuanced arc. Up to this point, what is his arc? He started off shady as everything, and then he's learning to how to make friends and his Federation ideals of like what's valuable is, you know, relationships. He gets bummed in this episode because all the Starfleet people are gone. And he's making money hand over fist, but it's not enough for him. And then when the guy's like, but I'm, we're going to twill. But doesn't he say like in the second season? When the guy's like, we're going to kill 20 million people, that's a step too far. And he can't go there. And then he goes back and turns and does the good Federation thing at the end. He should have been darker from this whole time. And when he does, when you do get some good from him, it's unique and, and, and shocking. Yeah. And, and not where you're just kind of like where his... His dark side is is so placid and uh, that it, that you don't actually have to worry about it. And that, yes, I agree that that would have been a more that if if they went like full Battlestar Galactica with it, that would have been more interesting. But that's they, I don't not think what that they planned was. on Quark becoming their Kramer or you know like that. Yeah, and that's yeah, a part yeah, of the that, problem. That, early on, they didn't. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like who knew? That's definitely who knew. Yeah. That the shady bartender that was probably going to be like the impetus for so many plots was going to be the breakout character that people wanted to see. I mean, the character design for Ferengis are just horrible to look at, <laughs> yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. nobody planned on nobody planned on on this. Yeah, I mean, he he urkled the show. They they, yes. they weren't going to make him Elsewhereingen. If it's even as, as much as he is Elsewhereingen, mm-hmm. they got him. He's a popular character. They're gonna candy coat him a little bit we should go to the end of this episode yeah we should because i didn't know we'd get hung off arguing oh i oh i enjoyed that (laughs) thoroughly though that was (laughs) i watched this episode of deep space nine twice and i enjoyed the last 15 minutes of our conversation yeah so um basically at the end quark has the lawrence lawrence tierney character meet up with his enemy accidentally and there's like a shootout in in a warehouse and yeah. he, he eliminates mm-hmm. both his employer and I don't know if Galen's dead or not. I don't think he is, but Galen's not dead. Um, Haggis is dead. Uh, no, Haggis or, or ha- isn't, no, dead. isn't dead. Uh, the region is Lawrence Tyranny's dead. Haggis and Gala get chased off, and then Na- General Nasix of the Palmarian Freedom Brigade, who's the people that he was going to kill all twenty million of, they they have the shootout, and then. Security goes in, Gala and everybody escapes, but the Freedom Brigade sends off and starts chasing to uh, eliminate them. Uh, they kill the regent, and Cisco's like, "Well, that's 
are you sad about that? And, and Quark is like, no, well, there's 20 million people. I think that'll be pretty happy. And even Cisco is like showing Cisco, showing his colors. It's like, no, there's 20 million and one. I mean, and I don't give a shit that the guy's dead either. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe the one is, maybe the one is Quark, but I saw that the one is Cisco saying that good, good that that fucker died. Yeah. I think he meant yeah. himself. Yeah. You know, which isn't exactly the most Federation way to be, but we know that Cisco later might not be that problem that well whatever i think that just sounded like a cool line for them to write right right well yeah and then he's still in debt because he's got to fix up the cargo bay five that got shot up and he's like hell how much is it gonna take and and then he's on an installment plan so now he's still in debt but he's in debt to cisco and the federation Mm-hmm. Do which, they even know how to handle debt? I don't like understand. Yeah, it which that means that they can just hold it over Quark, but they're never gonna call it in. Yeah, right? this is one of those where like I don't understand the nature of a post scarcity society. The Federation's post scarcity, but Quark isn't. So I know, but like that means that I mean, do they have a bank? Do they like who does he write his checks to? We've learned in a no- previous episode that he's got all this back rent that he just hasn't paid and they just haven't asked him for. I thought that they it. didn't ask him for. It. They don't. Yeah, they like, don't. They never call it in. That's what I'm saying. They didn't. They don't. I. I don't think they're. I think they're letting him. Sit. They call it in when they need a favor, when they need to hold something over him. They'd be like, "Oh, oh, you want to be a dick? Well, we could just call in all the rent you owe us." And he's like, "Oh shit, or, never mind." Yeah, or we can start charging you. Your, don't yeah. uh, you don't put this uh, on your rewatch meter too high, huh? Oh, <laughs> no, James, this is in the tin for you. No, I, I would. I would. It ends with uh, the book ended with Dax and Quark playing Tongo, and oh, yeah. yeah, he's got a knack for getting out of tight spots, and it's. Yeah, they laugh. <laughs> Have a good time. All, all's good. All of those other guns he ran, that was all for good. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I, I would rather watch Move Along Home than, I mean, this is, it's just, uh, like, it, it, I didn't hate it. I, I feel like I'm over talking, like, my, my hatred of it, but I'm, I'm getting very, very bored with the Quark stuff at this point. Where did you, where did you put it? Um, I like this episode. I mean, after that last week's snore of an episode, this one was fun for me. I liked seeing Cousin Gala. He was a bright spot. I thought he did a fine. Yeah, yeah. I liked Haggith. I liked his, like, scene-chewing Bond villainess of it. He was entertaining for me. Lawrence Tierney was just entertaining in how much he took me out of it. Mm-hmm. With this, like, Brooklyn Haggith. Hey, well, what are we doing? Yeah, I want to kill 20 million aliens, all right? Can I do that? Yeah. So where do you put it on your on your rewatch? I'd put it at a six. Yeah, I'd probably put this at a zero. I didn't hate it, uh, but I, I, I would never remember to watch this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were like, I feel like a Ferengi episode, and oh, this is the one with Cousin Gala, but I think Cousin Gala comes back later. Maybe. I have a new rule. Anytime somebody touches their ears suggesting that they're getting off, it's going to be a zero <laughs> on the rewatch yeah. meter. I should have known that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think the good people of IMDb think of this? Oh, um, oh, and Worf is good with uh, Miles' baby. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, the most unlikely character yeah. turns out to be the best with the baby. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Oh, and he's got a, an attachment to Miles' children. He gave... He delivered mm-hmm. Molly, but yeah, Molly, but well, then whatever. they should have named yeah. Molly Wharf Molly, just like they did Kira Yoshi. <laughs> Seriously, Kira Yoshi. Yeah. Oh, oh, duh. I'm stupid. I didn't, didn't realize that. Oh, you're just now putting together Kira Yoshi is 
the Kira Kira she's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh what do we what do we think they did there? Um, I don't know. I'd say they'd put it at a seven, six point nine. Mm, 7.2. <laughs> Why do you say 7.2, James? Uh, because I believe they like it. Uh, I think that they, uh, they must be right. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you said, um, I, I think that people uh, like, there is a, that people do- like Quark enough yeah. to buoy it, but it's not like a, it's not like, it's not good enough to be higher. It's 7.3. But maybe, it's maybe, a 7.3. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's 728 votes. It's 7.3. Yeah. He might have a floor in seven. I think, yeah, a Quark episode, I think the floor might be, uh, yeah, he's got a high floor for a character. He does. He (laughs) does. Much higher than Kira or others, but yeah. Bashir. Bashir. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next week is uh, an episode. Oh, yes. No, it's uh, it's it's, Daddy Issues. uh, um, Could you be more specific? uh, (laughs) It's called Ties of Blood and Water. Oh! Oh yes, yes, yes! It's the um, the sequel to the uh, second. Skin? Ah, the sequel no one was asking for. Yes. Oh right. Yes, yes. Where the oh. and it's directed by Avery Brooks, who's one of the better of the. I like. He's I, the best I of think the I cast. Like this one. He's the best of the cast directors. It is a uh, Wayun episode, so it's the first. Oh yes. Oh shit! The first time we get. 2.0. See, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna like this one. It's got Gold, whatever his name is, uh, from that. Yeah, it's got Gold Second Skin, and I then like. it's got Lawrence Pressman. Is the I swear to God, I thought you were going to say Lawrence Tierney again. Lawrence Tierney is <laughs> reprising, oh, and, and if they bring him back in and for and Cardassian makeup and the no, same I'm just voice, be like, I'm the Regent's brother. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that Lawrence Pressman is the white guy in Shaft. One of the white guys in Shaft. Oh. The original shit, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's in Transparent. He's in a lot of episodes <laughs> of Transparent. Is he? I don't know. Is he Meredith Baxter Bernie's husband? Oh, maybe. In it, I don't remember. Yeah, but he's in several episodes. Oh, so, okay. all right, yeah, he's a he's a good actor. All he's right. a he's a that guy actor. All right. Well, I didn't. I thought we were gonna be in under time again this time, but it looks like we went over again. I don't think so. Uh, wait, if people want to get a hold of us, what should they do? They should give us a call. Yeah. Even though you might not have heard your calls for a while, I promise that we're listening to them and we will hear them probably. Uh, yeah, give us a call at 917-408-3898 or shoot us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Yeah. And if people want to become a patron of ours, we've got cool stuff there too, right? Oh yeah! If you want to hear about Dune, if you like, if you liked hearing me and James argue in this episode, check out <laughs> much of Dune about nothing on the Kickers of Elves Patreon page, and we got you covered there. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, at, you can check that out and, and donate at Patreon.com/slash/KickersofElves, and a lot of other stuff too. We talk about things that we've. Uh, agree on like Atlanta's great and uh, we talk Marvel movies we, we cover a lot of stuff thanks again for listening to another episode of the rules of acquisition we hope you join us again next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine for Wade, James and myself three to beam out from your masters of war you that build the big guns you that build the 
this plane He let build all the bombs He let hide behind walls He let hide behind discs I just don't want you to know I can read through your mask You did never done nothing But build to destroy Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes, they will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal, the number is 917-408-3898 that number again is 917-408-3898, you will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.